Uh, it was very hard, just going through a lot of tough times, a lot of adversity, but uh, I just had to be patient and just wait till my time. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in a Warriors huddle with me, Bram, with me per usual, my boy and producer, Marcus. What's up, Dev Nation? And our master of all things sound, Maxine. How's it going? Gentlemen, we are welcoming in Kristen Peak today to get her insight on James Wiseman's development, which I'm really excited to hear. Kristen has incredible experience with Wiseman as one of the only people who actually watched him play in Memphis, got to watch his development in high school. So what she's been thinking so far will really have an impact on how I'm viewing him. But before we brought her in, I wanted to do a quick upfront segment with you boys because the trade deadline is speeding towards us. By the next time we actually record, that deadline will have passed. And there's one question whose answer I want from both of you before we speak to KP, and it's this. Do you want the Warriors to trade Kelly Oubre in advance of the deadline? I don't think they're going to, but it's that name that we hear thrown around the most. In fact, after last night's loss against Philly, which was a really entertaining game, by the way, uh, Steve Kerr had some comments that made it pretty much crystal clear that they're getting a ton of interest on Oubre in the trade market. So, uh, Marcus, let me direct this towards you first. If it were up to you, um, would you, and in fact, let me, let me shift that because we don't know what the offers would be. Do you want the Warriors to trade Kelly Oubre not knowing what the trade offers are? Not knowing what the trade offers are, no. Um, first of all, I agree. It was a super entertaining game. I thought we were going to come back and actually pull it out against the Sixers. Um, so it was a little disappointing. But um, for an Oubre trade, I would not want to trade him unless it's for Aaron Gordon. Um, I think anybody else is, just doesn't make sense of the people available on the market. Um, so I'm going to say no. I still stand by wanting to see how Oubre Wiggins and the rest of this team all play with Clay when we just have a bunch of, you know, six, 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 seven, um, six, eight type dudes just on the floor and can switch everything and just, you know, hopefully Clay's back defensively. So I'm going to say no, but I would listen for Aaron Gordon just because. You know, we obviously need size every time we go up against a big team. It's just rebounding. Looks like we're a JV team. Sounds like Gordon may be headed to Boston. Uh, But let me start where you started. That Philly game was hella fun, although it made me feel like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. At first, that first quarter, man, I was losing my mind. I was so frustrated. I mean, outside of Nico Mannion, everybody looked like shit. Then the third quarter rolls around, and I couldn't be happier. I'm screaming so loud, I think the neighbors are going to call the police or something. Or maybe my wife will call them because she thinks I'm being maybe a little inappropriate with how excited I get. And then I go right back to frustrated because they piss it away. And then finally, this morning, I went back to happy because I realized, you know, if what we want out of this season is experience for the young guys, then last night's experience is exactly what we're looking for. Um, But going to the actual question, trade Oubre. So in a vacuum, generally speaking, I would like to keep Oubre on this team. In fact, if next year we can slot him into the sixth man and Clay comes back in and and finishes out our starting five, I feel like that is the absolute perfect role for him. But rumors are that Oubre wants two things. In fact, I'm stealing this from friend of the podcast, Wes Goldberg. Um, What Oubre wants, according to Wes, is one, $20 million a year salary and two, a starter's role. So if the Warriors can give him $20 million and they can get him to budge on that second want, if he's willing to come off the bench, then f- keep him. Do not trade him. I think he is the perfect addition and would be great off the bench. But if Oubre makes it clear that he wants a starter's role and that the $20 million isn't enough and that even if they gave him a shot at a title next year, but it meant he had to come off the bench, and that's not what he wants. If, if Ubre makes it clear that, that this is not going to fit with his future, then you have to trade him, and you have to trade him for anybody who will still be here next year, right? If, if what we are understanding is that we go into the offseason, Ubre is a free agent and won't take the Warriors' money because he doesn't like the role that's being offered to him, then they need to bring back whatever the hell they can for that salary slot right now, right? Because something 
is better than nothing. Uh, Maxime, well, go ahead, MT. Sounds like I got your interest. What are you going to say? No, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I think the other thing that is a variable that should be accounted for is um, Ubre has said a few times that he wants to find a place and kind of stay, right? Like he wants to find a team and a franchise in a city and, and call it home and not move around so much. So I think that's working in the favor. Um, would we find $20 million? Probably not. But I think if Steve Kerr can channel his best Greg Popovich impersonation and convince him that he's the next Manu Ginobili, six man off the bench, like he did with Iguodala, and they can get him to 17-18, then I think Kelly would listen. Different role, different role. Iguodala had already been a starter and a star in Philadelphia. He had a shot to make that money and show the world exactly who he was, so that great Popovich pitch is going to speak to him. You know, he, he had already kind of stretched his legs, and then now, all right, let's go win a title, I'll be a six-man. If what Wes is saying is right – what Ubre wants is the Iguodala opportunity in Philadelphia. You know, I know, like I don't know this. I'm not Ubre, and what I agree with is go talk to Ubre. If he is down to stay, if that role speaks to him, do not trade him. If he is not down on that, if the if the Manu Ginobili role is not enough for whatever reason, well then, you know, it's practical realities, man. It is what it is. Again, something is better than nothing. I do want to just sort of build on MT's point because I think there's one additional variable here that, look, I mean, what we're talking about is really having the opportunity on a big stage in the postseason to be an impact player in a starter role. I get that. But Clay, regardless of how great Clay looks when he comes back next year, he's not going to be playing every single game, right? He's going to have a reduced role of 20 minutes. And like, look, the best case scenario is something like what we're seeing with KD right now in Brooklyn. And we're the halfway, we're at 45 games into the season, right? KD hasn't even played 20 yet. So there's an opportunity, I think, for Ubre to take on maybe a hybrid role, right? Where sure. sometimes he's starting and sometimes he's not. And that'd be a, that might be a nice way to sort of ease him in. Let's split this difference, right? Because the truth is probably going to lay somewhere in between these two, the way that it always does. Let's assume the Warriors go to Ubre this morning. You know, they have the conversation with him, and he cannot provide them perfect clarity. He says, look, I like it here. I do want to have a home forever. But also, boys, I wouldn't mind being a starter somewhere, and you cannot guarantee me what my role will be next year, even in this hybrid thing that you've just pitched me. So Ubre says, I'm interested, but I can't guarantee. I'm not sure. I'm going to have to see, you know, what happens. So if you're Bob Myers, if you're the Warriors, you don't have that guarantee. There's a chance he still wants to be a starter. So if you don't trade him, you might end up with nothing. It's also a chance he buys in. You know, maybe during the offseason, he believes that Greg Popovich pitch that MT just gave us. What would you boys do? Do you take the chance, you know, or, or do you send him out and bring back something that you know will be here next year? Yeah, so that's, that is the linchpin, is can we bring back something that we know will be here next year and add significant impact? Look, what we're talking about with all of this is maximizing Steph Curry's prime. That's the whole game, right? So if you can bring back some pieces that are nice and are, you know, fill in that salary spot that, by the way, we lose if Kelly Oubre walks because we're already over um, the cap, which means that that salary is gone and we can't refill it if he walks away. We can only fill it if we sign a player that's on a team or if we yep. trade for them. So this is a super, super important important point um, because we, we have so many large salaries on our team already but who out there is willing to make a deal for somebody that's actually going to be an impact player that we can have coming off the bench not an Iguodala ever but something of that ilk maybe you know um, to, to MT's point that could be Aaron Gordon though I feel like his defense um, on someone like the one through three isn't going to really work. Maybe that's Bogdanovich coming out of Atlanta. That's another interesting possibility, and he has a couple more years on his contract, so at least we have a little bit more flexibility. Um, but beyond that, I'm just not hearing any names in the marketplace that are convincing me that it's worthwhile to trade Ubre. So I feel like, in a sense, we're stuck between a rock and a hard place because we need to be able to save that, um, that salary space, but I don't know that we can um, survive this season. 
it's those two names that catch my attention. The third one we hear thrown around a little bit is Oladipo, but Oladipo is going to be a free agent after next year. He would present the exact same problems that Ubre would if they brought him in. There's no guarantee he stays. So that one does not speak to me. Give us your final take, MT. So you're in that in-between scenario. We're not sure. He can't guarantee he'll be here, but he also hasn't said that he has one foot out of the door. Do you take the chance and keep him? I do, just because I have confidence in our organization as a desirable place and and Kelly realizing that we're offering a contract. Um, it may not be the exact role he's looking for, but maybe you know that needs to change from what he's looking for. And because to Maxime's point, like who else is out there? Like other names that have been floated around is like Nemanja Balika. Like I don't want to trade no. for him. Like, you know, like I'd rather just roll the dice with Ubre than get him. I mean, maybe there's stuff going on that we haven't heard about, like a sending Kelly back to New Orleans where he's from and Alonzo Ball Bledsoe kind of package that, you know, could come together. But other than that, I would just roll the dice and trust in our organization and the fact that Steph and Clay and Draymond uh, have built a culture that would be something he would want to stay in and that the Bay Area is enticing enough also yeah. for him to want to stay. Man, you just covered the spectrum, man, and it all is dictated by him. Ubre says, look, I'm out. I'm gone. Give me $40 million. I don't care. I want to be the centerpiece of any team I get sent to, and I want to be a starter. Then bring on Nemanja. I don't care. Bring in anybody who we can spend that money on because we'd lose it. You know, if the other side is true, he's like, look, I love it here. I don't care what role you give me. Just let me be here. Then absolutely you keep him. And on the in-between, right, if he says, I'm not sure, then we look at what the offer is. If it's a really good player, well, then you do it. If it's a mediocre player, then you take the chance that Ubre might stay. Uh, all right. With that in mind, it is my great pleasure to announce rejoining the Huddle A Grizzled veteran of Yahoo Sports, where she's covered the Olympics, the Super Bowl, the Final Four, and the National Basketball Association, an NBA draft guru, an expert, and a woman who isn't afraid to make a friend rank her coworkers on a live podcast. Miss Kristen Peake. What's going on, Kristen? Hello. How are you guys? Happy to be here. Yeah, we are happy to have you. How, uh, how is life? I know that you have been covering March Madness. You losing your mind? Are you in a good place, bad place? Where does this find you? Do you know what? There's a lot of people that are um, criticizing all the upsets and the play of the first couple rounds, be calling it bad basketball. I think it's the opposite. The fact that, that the Pac-12 has four teams going to the Sweet 16, one of, one of the weakest, I think it's the weakest Power 5 conference, and they have four teams advancing. I mean, I love that. I love that there were so many upsets. I love that we still have Gonzaga is still undefeated. They're still the runaway favorite to win this thing, but they're going to be facing a tough Oregon or USC um, in the West to win that out and uh, then potentially facing either Michigan or Alabama um, in the South to get to the final four. So, or at the final four. So um, I love it. This is my favorite time of year. We were all robbed of it last year. So um, I'm enjoying it, even though, you know, like I was up till three in the morning writing a Florida state call <laughs> the other night. <laughs> all right. Perfect transition. So Marcus, Maxim, a little bit of background night before the tournament. And I imagine, you know, Kristen has got it probably, we just heard, she's probably up till 3 a.m., probably up till even earlier than that on the night before. So she's got to be exhausted. Night before, I reach out via DM and ask her a bunch of asinine questions about my bracket. You know, give me some 710 upsets, who wins the 512, I mean, that kind of stuff. The type of thing I imagine she gets a billion questions about in the lead up to the tournament, certainly on the night before. So, boys, I'm going to ask her, were you annoyed when I reached out to you? And my question to you before I ask her that, do you think she'll tell me the truth? And what do you think her answer is? What do you think? MT, will, will she be honest with me? And was she annoyed? Uh, she'll definitely be honest. KP keeps it real. Uh, <laughs> I think she was a little annoyed, but was probably up and just in March Madness world. So she was like, well, you know, like I like the podcast. It's probably the best podcast out there. So I'm not too upset. Well, she definitely thought that. I mean, there's no f 
question she thought it was the best podcast maxime i'll, I'll give you a little bit of uh, of insight as well there were ex exclamation points she was nice in her back and forth so if she was annoyed she hit it what do you think man did i bother her? oh the exclamation point only furthers my thought here which is that at that point she was probably so delirious that she was just stoked for any sort of communication with the outside world <laughs> Yeah, I don't even know if she knew who she was communicating with. She kept calling me Johnson, which I thought was weird. KP, take us out of the guessing stage. How pissy were you that I reached? It was like 930 or something. I don't remember when it was, but it was probably inappropriate that I bothered you the night before. Did it annoy you? How did it hit you? You know, if I have to, I was not annoyed. I'm never annoyed, but when you guys reach out, but um, I have to be honest with you, all of your questions, I had so many people hit me up, either texting me or DMing me. I was just copy and pasting the same responses <laughs> <laughs> that I said to everyone. So it was no problem for me. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I did wonder why you kept calling me mom. I thought that, that, was just like, what the hell? I mean, I know we're close, but I didn't think we had reached family level. Uh, Wait, can I, can I tell you? So um, my mom, you know, she, we had a, an hour long show for Yahoo Sports and she watched the whole thing and took notes and filled out her bracket. So then she calls me when Illinois loses and she's just like, oh my gosh, the team I picked to win it all lost. And I got mad at her because I was like, what are you doing picking Illinois? My, <laughs> my ex who wasted five to six years of my life is an Illinois grad. Like she knows this. I, there was no one happier to see Illinois go down in the second round than me. I, I was like, and I was like, mom, do you know your daughter at all? Like, what do you do? That's that's on you. You picked the wrong team. Like you should know better. Um, I yeah. could not agree. By, so there's a reason why you and I have gotten off to a fast friendship, uh, Christian. And it's because you might be as vindictive as I am. I'll give you a sense of how neurotic I am. I do not know your ex. I have nothing to do with Illinois one way or the other. Now that you've told me that, I will hate <laughs> Illinois forever. You know, They're never getting out of the first round for me. It is what it is. I know. And and like I love, I love Iodesumu. I love little Andre Cabrello, Kofi Coburn. Like I love the players. And I really hope that they do well in the NBA. Illinois is a team. Nothing gave me greater joy than seeing them exit early because it meant that this is how petty I am. It meant that my ex was upset. And I was so happy about that. Anyway, moving on. Well, on the off chance she <laughs> listens to all of your podcasts, let Mama Peek know that is not okay. Come on. You got to support your daughter. One last March Madness question. And it comes from Kevin Clark, but via Patreon, Matt, in our own circle. And it's this. So Kevin Clark tweeted this out. And uh, Matt, one of our Patreon supporters and a valued member of our Slat Network, passed it on to us. Here's the question. Who is the oldest former NBA player who, if you inserted them into the NC2A tournament right now, would win the most outstanding player award? So to give you some time to think on this, Christian, in case you hadn't seen it, I'll go first. And so I wanted to say somebody like Shaquille O'Neal, right? Just on just basic physical dominance. But like all past great players, Shaq is crazy out of shape. He's, he's overweight. He probably has no wind. So he can't be that guy. So you need somebody who stayed in shape despite getting older. So the first person I thought of here was Steve Nash. You know, he always seems like he's fairly thin when we saw him. Uh, helping with the Warriors. He always seemed to be act or doing active things with the players. But I'm a little worried now, right? He's a, he's a head coach. He probably hasn't got to keep up on his game. So I'm going to pick somebody random. And what I want is somebody whose career in the pros didn't really work out. So they bring that kind of FU dynamic when they get reinserted into March Madness. So here's my guy, and it's super random. Jay Williams, former Duke point guard, the guy who's on ESPN now. His career never really worked out because he had, I think it was like a, it's a, a car motorcycle accident. accident. Yeah, yeah motorcycle. right. Yeah. And after going number three, and so now he is constantly giving out opinions. I think he would tell us that he thought his career was going to be incredible. So that's my guy. If you took Jay Williams, dropped him into the NC2A tournament right now, I think he'd dominate. Or dominate. I think he would be the most outstanding player. So that's my answer. I like that answer. I'm going to go a little bit more chalk, and um, I'm going to go uh, Dwayne Wade. <laughs> Put him on a team, man. Like it's, I mean, it's Hall over. of Famer. I don't even know if that's fair. <laughs> and he's not even that old. I feel like my boy Jay Williams is older. He so is I older, think, yeah. I, okay, that's all. I mean, I'm upping the ante. I, I, my my pot is a little bit higher. Than you know yours. who else MT. I thought would be um, kind of a sleeper pick is uh, Brian Scalabrini. 
<laughs> White Mamba. <laughs> do, do you guys remember? I think it was when he was in Boston, but some random fan <laughs> gave him a bunch of shit over social media. And so Scalabrini busted him out and played him in 21 and then, like, literally brought kind of NBA fire to that 21 game, just backed him down like an old ass dad versus an eight year old and scored every single time. And with that kind of fire, you're right. I can see him doing that same thing. Two, he just you know, did it again. He just did it again. Like, like Illinois. Yeah, he did it like two days ago with a high school kid. He was talking trash to him in a gym, and he was like, let's play for our sneakers. And Scalabrini backed him down and just bully-balled him in and, and took his sneakers. Did he take his shoes? Like, does, does, Do they actually actually show him walking away with the kid's feet? They don't show it, but I assume he did it. I mean, he's competitive enough that he was like, I won. Well, up the ante, Marcus. Do you have anybody who is older than Jay Williams, or you can cheat and go to the Hall of Famer like Christian did? <laughs> I don't. He's not older, but I'm gonna go Greg Oden. I think that he never really panned out, obviously because of injuries. And then he tried to play in the Big Three in Ice Cube's league, and that didn't really work out either. But I feel like the big men that are available in the tournament right now wouldn't be able to still keep up with a 60% Greg Oden because he was just that skilled back in the day. So I'm going to go to the sleeper pick with Oden. Can Oden still walk? <laughs> Are we sure that he's capable of playing basketball, let alone being most outstanding player? Uh, who do you got, Maxim? You're going to say like Wilt Chamberlain or somebody else who probably can't walk anymore? Well, no, but come on. I got an older player than that that I feel like would absolutely still be able to dominate, and that's... Uh, Michael Jordan, thank you very much. But, I feel like you're st- <laughs> but, I mean, that's a little bit too obvious of a pick. So one thing that got me thinking uh, um, when you said Shaq um, was actually, I don't know if you've seen recently, but Charles Barkley has been playing himself back into shape, I think because he's trying to like look good for his daughter's wedding. Um, and I think there's an opportunity for him to kind of like sneak in and surprise a bunch of people with some newfound athleticism in his old age. I love that, and it makes me feel bad about busting you out, but I'm still going to. Christian, I need your immediate opinion. So I, I brought this up by saying this question came from, uh, from Twitter, but it was brought to our attention by a Patreon supporter, Matt. And let me add to that. When Matt brought this to our attention, he also answered the question. Guess what his answer was? Michael Jordan. Uh. He said, of course Michael Jordan would do it. And now Maxime has added Michael Jordan. Is that okay? I mean, give me a professional's take. Can he steal our boy Matt's take and not give him credit? I mean, what's what's the ruling here? No, he's allowed to because as soon as he said Michael Jordan, I was like, oh, of course. Yeah. Why didn't we all say that? What's wrong with us? <laughs> like, yeah, well, it's just the right answer. It is the right answer. <laughs> because Greg Odin is the right answer. That's why. <laughs> No, I saw, I saw Greg, I saw Greg Oden last year at the McDonald's All American game. He was a judge in the slam dunk contest. He is not moving well. I'm yeah. <laughs> shocking. The only time the right answer is Greg Oden is if the question is who is too old to walk currently. So you know, I mean, it just, it just is what. Have it you seen is. Loyola Chicago Center? Greg <laughs> Oden can keep up with him. It, the question isn't does he beat Loyola. It's, it's he's the most <laughs> outstanding player. Let's move on. So, Christian, we have a new segment. In fact, one you've participated in called Warriors Oracle, where we basically take mailbag questions about the Warriors and about our personal lives. And today we're going to do that segment, but I tried to be a little clever. So our listeners aimed those questions at your knowledge specifically for this week. So I'm changing the name of the segment. It's no longer Warriors Oracle. I'm going to call it the sporting peak. What do you think? You know, a little play on your name. I was really proud of that. I almost brought it up first before we did the March Madness, just because I wanted to show off the segment title. So if you occasionally want to say like how incredible of a play on words that was, I mean, that's no problem. I'd, I'd love to hear it. Great job. Great. Hey. I've never had a, I never ever, I'm a twin and I, my last name is peak. I've never had my name as a play on words ever. Boom. Well, just so I don't believe you, but <laughs> nonetheless, the second title, in fact, future titles are going to be why I will always hate Illinois, but I didn't have that in pocket yet. <laughs> so we'll use that in the future. Um, like I said, these are going to be focusing mostly on James Wiseman. So before we jump back down the Wiseman well, let's set up your experience with some easy questions. Uh, how old was Wiseman when you first watched him play? Uh, he's probably he was probably 15 or 16. We'll say 16. 
right. And am I remembering right? You've spoken to Wiseman's high school coaches. You've spoken with his college coaches. You've essentially watched him at every level of play. That's correct. Yes, right. I have. I've watched more of James Wiseman than probably in the last five years than Warriors fans have uh, ever. Okay, <laughs> boom. In fact, what a great way to, so let's, let's pretend like you didn't say that. I've got one last question. Have you watched more of James <laughs> Wiseman in the last five years than any Warriors fans have ever? Yes, that's Yes, correct. you have. Okay, yeah. And I, I just came up with that question right now, so I, I don't know if, if you're impressed by it. With that in mind, let's turn to the questions. Here's the first. Wiseman's season, like the Warriors' season, has been inconsistent. There are times he looks like a future franchise center, and other times he looks like a lost 19-year-old destined for a career as a journeyman. Give us something you have liked about his season so far and something you've been frustrated by. Let me start by, off by saying this, okay? And you, you mentioned it in the question. He's 19. He's 19. He's playing in the NBA. He only played three college games. All right? So the inconsistency, and we talked about this last time, Give him a year, give him a season before we start knocking on him. All right, Warriors fans, like I know he's inconsistent. You know you're looking at Anthony Edwards and LaMelo Ball and what numbers they're putting up, but they're not in the same position. They're not down low battling with the bigs of the NBA. So uh, let's just let's just lay off James Wiseman a little bit in terms of expectations. Why? But, don't, don't go to the question yet. Give, give me more on that. What is it about his age? What is it about his position that screams patience? Why should we remember that? I think just because of the pace of the game, you know, when you go from basically jumping from high school to the pros, uh, you got to learn there's there's a different pace and spacing in the NBA game. And as a defender, especially because that's what he's known. I mean, he's got he's one of the best shot blockers or he was in high school. You know, you, there's different things that you have to learn in terms of the switching or are you going to hedge? Are you not down low like? It's, it's just way different. And so I think it's taking him, it's taken a little bit longer for him, for the game to come to him that instead of like a guard where you're controlling the pace. Do you know what I mean? Like he's I not, do. he does, he's not controlling the pace of his own game. So he's having to play catch up. And that's why you see Draymond kind of taking, taking him under his wing and trying to give him, you know, the Draymond defensive school of knowledge. Sure. Draymond came out today and said, I'm the best defender ever. So who doesn't, who doesn't want to learn under that? Um, and yeah, so that's, I, I, offensively, I think it'll come to him. His shot has always been that sort of slingshot over the head sort of thing um, from distance, but it's going in sometimes. He needs, to get, he needs to get more consistent, but the fact that he has the confidence to shoot it is a good sign. Get back to the original question yes. now for me. What what have you been enjoying and what has frustrated you so far? Give us some bullet points on his season. Uh, I've enjoyed seeing um, when he's really good. Um, I've enjoyed that. Like <laughs> that Houston game early in the season. I think it was Houston or San Antonio where um, he just went crazy and you know, had some dunks, had a poster dunk, uh, just looked very comfortable in his, in his own skin and being on the court. Um, those are glimpses where you see it and you you just think, okay, this is who he could be. And what's been, what's frustrated me the most, especially when I saw him in person, when they came out to Utah, uh, to play the jazz was how turnover prone he is and how he seems to always get down on himself. You know, I wish he had more of that next play mentality. Shake it off, next play, next play, next play. That is the perfect transition to a couple other questions. Um, let me start with the turnover prone. So one of the, Warriors Twitter has become really hyperbolic. I don't know if it's because we've attracted bandwagon fans. I don't know if it's because we've gotten too accustomed to success. But if anything happens, they tend to react immediately and terribly, right? And one of the things they've terribly and immediately reacted to is Wiseman's occasional turnovers. And what they're saying is, what happened to his hands? This guy was supposed to have great hands and he can no longer catch the ball. Should Warriors fans have any concerns about Wiseman's hands, in your opinion? No, I don't know where this, where his slippery fingers are coming from. He has great hands in high school, you know, could catch passes in traffic that a lot of other bigs, you, you know, you look at them and you're like, okay, he's got bad hands. He, got, he has bad hands. No one ever said that about James. So I don't know where this is coming from as of late. I think, again, I'll go back to the pace and the game coming to him. 
he might just be overthinking it and in his head a little bit, causing him to fumble the ball. So f between the ages of 15 and 18, when you watched Wiseman <laughs> play basketball, was he capable of catching the ball? Did he have good hands? He was. Imagine that. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> and so if you had to bet something significant, you know, mortgage payment, something large, would, do you think that Wiseman hands will return? Is, is this all much ado about nothing? I do think his hands will return. I think yeah. there's a lot of rookie nerves. I think you're playing alongside, you know, one of the, the, the best shooters, one of the best players in the league, and you got Draymond on your ass all game. You're playing for Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr. It's, it's a lot to handle. And not, I'm not giving him any excuses. I'm just saying put it in perspective. Like he's trying to take it all in at a rapid pace. And um, I think he will finally settle in next season. <laughs> Tell me about his demeanor. Because I'm not worried. So I keep calling him Warriors Twitter. I have some concerns, but I'm not really. And I'm certainly not worried about his hands. But you mentioned his demeanor. And one of the things I am kind of worried about, or at least noticed, was the constant sadness on his face. And I'm not the only one. Here's a question that was written into us. Quote, why does Wiseman always have a concerned or sad look on his face while he's playing? Has that always been his demeanor or should be or should we be worried he's not happy here? So when you watched James in the past, Kristen, was he, did he always have like a happy look on his face? Has he always had the look that we see uh, him playing with here in Golden State? I mean, how should we interpret his facial expressions? <laughs> he was never one of those guys that, you know, was over the top. He was never, I, don't, I mean, I'm going to throw out a name there. I don't expect Warriors fans to know who I'm going to talk about. But uh, Josh Christopher is larger than life. And he's always, you know, if, if it's a great play, he's jumping up and down. If he has a turnover, he's, you know, hitting the ball and, and getting upset. And James has never been that he's been very even keeled. And yeah, at some points it looks like, or it looked like in high school that he was just bored, but I don't think that has anything to do with his passion for the game of basketball, or if he wants to play, or if he's unhappy, I think it's just his personality and he is very introverted. Um, and he's just not one of those like outgoing guys that you're going to see a lot of passion from I guess on the court like you do with again Draymond <laughs> he's like he's like the antithesis of emotion to, to Draymond I, I mean last night he had this great entry pass he nutmegged somebody showing his playmaking ability through a, a, a phenomenal lead pass that led to an assist and then they showed the highlight and then they showed him afterwards and it looked like he was still at a funeral. Like, I mean, it's like, it was like, it was this really, really competent play and his facial expression didn't change an iota. Uh, MT, let me rewind the clock. So I asked Kristen, you know, something frustrated, something she was happy about. Oversimplify this for me. Give me a, uh, a quick take. How are you feeling about Wiseman's season so far? Are you more frustrated or happy? Um, I'm in the middle. I, I too am frustrated with his body language. I mean, it's, it's reassuring to hear from KP who has followed his career and, and knows James and talks to him. So, um, hearing that that's just who he is, is a little reassuring, but if you can't have fun playing on the Warriors, you know, like you have Steph and, and Juan T and Damian Lee, like making beats and having music rap sessions in the middle of a game, you know, like if you can't have fun with that kind of team, I don't know if you're ever going to smile on the court and I would love to see that. But I think the bigger picture is um, to KP's earlier point, we have to keep in perspective that the position that he plays it, the learning curve is longer. It's steeper and he's playing against guys who are just grown men and he's played three college games since high school. Like you look at these stats, like this person first year in the league averaged 10 points seven rebounds, two assists. That's Nikola Jokic, you know, like that's the joker. Uh, this person averaged 13 points, eight rebounds and one assist, and that's Anthony Davis. You look at James Wiseman right now, he's 12 points, six rebounds and one assist. So he's not that far off of what these really superstar players are who were in the MVP conversations and winning championships. So I think you just have to give him time. And I'm, you know, hoping and I'm, you know, like 
optimistic that he will deliver on his talent and his potential. I think we just have to give him time. And it's it's hard because the window with Steph and Clay and Dre is closing and we need somebody who can contribute right away. Well, that's the problem with his development, right? I mean, we keep comparing him to people like Edwards and LaMelo Ball, but what Minnesota and Charlotte is trying to do with their season is completely different, at least up until right now, with what Golden State has been trying to do. And that really affects development as well. If, if I have a son who I'd like to teach how to drive competently, and I do one of two things, either I bring them to a parking lot give them the keys to the car and just let them drive for as long as they possibly can until they're good at it. Or I decide my family is going to take a road trip. And one of the things I want to do is actually get to the place we're going. And my wife is going to drive and I'm going to drive. And occasionally every now and again, I'll give my son five or 10 minutes on that drive. And that's how he learns which of those two will be more effective. Of course, it's the first. Of course it is. And that's what's going on with Wiseman, with with LaMelo Ball and with Edwards. Both those teams just want to develop them. They've gone the parking lot route. Take your time. Do everything. We don't care if we win. There is no other goal. With Golden State, that hasn't been true, right? They want their cake and eat it too. They haven't been able to just give Wiseman all the time he needs. So, of course, the development has been a little bit delayed. Maxime, same question. Frustrated, happy, where are you? Yeah, I actually want to expand on that metaphor a little bit because I liked where you were going with it. The idea of going on a road trip, you're suddenly in traffic, right? There's an element... I mean, what LaMelo is doing is awesome, and I'm stoked for him, and uh, I'm stoked for KP, and I'm never going to question anything that she says ever again because, like, clearly <laughs> she knows right what's that. up. Yep. Um, but, but with that said, right, he, he gets to decide what's going on in the offense. And meanwhile, um, Wiseman is put in the middle of an offense that's um, already operating at a pretty high level. And I think it's in the Sixers game, there's some nice moments where he was, like, you know, catching cutters along the perimeter that's showing to me that he's picking up the game. And I'm willing to put up with some furrowed brows if it's indicative of some, like, processing happening underneath. You know, like, there's some moments where it's like he's rushing his own game. I get that. But I'm also starting to see these elements that are making me really, really excited about his potential, um, especially when MT contextualizes it in some of the um, other great centers of this era's rookie season numbers. Yeah, quick word to the wise, careful on trusting KP. She can send you some DMs that make you feel really special, and then you find out, nah, man, she was just copying and pasting those from other conversations. <laughs> so I mean, who knows? Next question is immediately related, and its answer means the world to me, Christian, and it's to you. Quote, Warriors Twitter is constantly bitching about Wiseman's development. Now, I understand that Golden State can only focus on their rookie or can't only focus on their rookie. But I also think he hasn't been provided with consistency as far as his role and expectations. KP, do you think the Warriors have done a good job at developing James so far? Oh, man. A a good job? Sure. Yes. A good job. I would give them uh, like a C plus, B minus in terms of development. Um, C plus is not a good job, incidentally. If I brought back a report card to my, if I brought, if I came back to my parents was like, look, I got a C plus in this, they wouldn't be like, good job. Like (laughs) nobody would be super fired up about a C plus. Yeah, I I think they the I don't know enough about the coaching staff on uh, the Warriors specifically. I know James and I've seen his development over the years and what it takes. And I don't know if they have gone far enough back in his past to kind of figure out what worked for him at that level and tried to replicate that at the tell us, tell us about that. So, and, and what's not fair, right? So let me change the parameters on this. And, and we basically just talked about it. You know, the, the Warriors' goals, unlike Charlotte, unlike Minnesota, weren't limited to, to developing the roster. They had other things going on. But let's change that, all right? Let's assume now that the only thing the Warriors wanted to do was make James Wiseman as good as he could possibly be at the end of this year. And they came to you, Christian. They said, we know you. You have been watching more of James Wiseman over the five years than any Warrior fan has. <laughs> What would you do? What role should we give him? How should we develop him? What advice would you give? So it's hard because as you're as you're asking this question, I'm like rethinking my <laughs> my initial answer. And the fact is, the fact of the matter is, like that he shouldn't be their priority because you've got 
you've got so many other great players on the team, you know, but you need, you need to nurture that confidence, especially in a rookie, especially in someone like James, um, who again, didn't have the opportunity to get a little bit more of that confidence in college. Cause again, sure. he played three games. So I would say to the warriors is, you know, just be more encouraging, give them additional reps and practice. Uh, instead of just the junk minutes in the fourth quarter, you know, throw them into the wolves a little bit more. I don't know. Like I, I haven't, I'll be the first to admit it. I've had to watch a lot of college basketball the last Easily. month. Yeah, of course. So, yeah. so yeah. I don't know if that's something that they're doing, but just looking at his numbers and his minutes, um, I can, you know, guess that that's not what they're doing. Uh, and just because confidence is probably the, if your confidence goes as a rookie, it's either when you come to the fork in the road and you're either going to be uh, Anthony Davis or, I don't know, Serge Ibaka, who's still great, but is just like a long-term pro. Yep. I think confidence has a lot to do with that. So how do you what's, nurture that in him? What's his uh, personality type, having gotten to know him? You know, does James have enough inner confidence where if they told him, look, we believe in you, but we're not going to be able to focus on you. You know, we're focusing on Steph, on everybody else. So your future is there, but we're not going to be able to prop you up. Would he still be able to have confidence in himself? Because that's um, to answer your question. Really, what they've been doing is changing his role. I think that's changed now. Just last night, Steve Kerr came out and said, um, it's our intention to start Wiseman for the foreseeable future, and it sounds like they're going to let him play through mistakes. So they're giving him that rope now. But up until now, that hasn't been true. They've, you know, they started him. They didn't. They, they have changed his role to kind of fit around Steph and the rest of the boys. So does him, and going back to it, does he have the confidence to, to play a secondary role but still believe in himself. All right, here's another thing that you have to remember and consider. James Wiseman has been the best player at his level of basketball probably his entire life. He was the yep. number one player in high school. He was the number one recruit coming out. He was like the projected, before the draft was a year away, he was the projected number one pick. So he's never really had to have that adversity. He's never had to be second fiddle to anybody. Everything has always gone through him. So I think the adjustment of having to take that back seat and learn his role is harder than he thought because he's never had to do this or learn this before ever in his career. This is the right. first time. How many minutes, perfect amount of minutes, if you were allotting, and, and this is not for Warriors wins, this is for Wiseman's development. How many minutes a game do you think he should be getting? I would say close to 30. All right. And how many shots per game? You know what I almost said? I almost said, <laughs> I almost said 25 because that's how much it took <laughs> Anthony Edwards to make 40 points. The 40 points, yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> but I mean, it's, I mean, are we talking like 10 touches, you know, 20 touches? I mean, what? And, and again, this is just for his development, not what the Warriors should do to win. But if we wanted to develop him, how many touches should he be getting down there at the post? Yeah, 10 to 15 touches, something that can give him a little bit – because. Repetition, right? Like if you're, your brain remembers when you do something well, it also remembers when you do something not great, right? But if you have those touches and you can replicate good plays and good passes and good, good read options in the offense, um, because there is no pressure this year, you know, unless Steph goes on some crazy, crazy run and, right. and right. there is no pressure. So give him those touches and those uh, just be able to work through uh, the offense and the read so he can develop and become a better player next year. Marcus, pick one of these. Don't hedge it. Don't, don't give me the between answer. Pick one. What's more important going forward, Warriors wins or Wiseman's development this season? Wiseman's development. And I'm all for giving him more touches as long as he promises not to shoot that jump shot that's one step <laughs> inside the three-point line. is the most infuriating shot and he keeps doing it. And it's just like, dude, just either go to the rack or step back a step. He doesn't but, just do it either. He, he, he's there and he waits like an extra two seconds. <laughs> and it's almost like he's thinking, I probably, oh, I'm going to do it anyways. Exactly. And then up it fires. Let's veer away from the world of basketball, if only for a moment. Christian, here's another question for you. Quote, and it starts off with, uh, with an insinuation for us. Quote, you keep saying the world divides into people who drove after they had a license and people who drove before. But I disagree. 
I think there is another division, people who have cheated on a test in their life and people who would never. Please ask Kristen to guess whether you, Marcus or Maxime, have ever cheated on a test in their life. So Kristen, we're gonna split this up for right now. You're focused only on me, I promise. I will be honest. And in fact, let's, let's get everybody's answer. Do you think at any level, anywhere, that I have cheated on a test or I am just too principled to do anything like that? You totally have. There's no <laughs> doubt in my mind. <laughs> I don't have to be so excited about it. I mean, just say yes. Don't you settle down over there? I bet you my boy Marcus has my back. You probably know I would never, right? MT, where are you? I know the answer to this. I was in classrooms with you, so you don't want to have me answer this. So you'll tell her no. She's wrong. Maxime, do you believe in me? I mean, my only question is, uh, have you cheated on a test in the last week? And there I might still say yes. <laughs> So the answer, unfortunately, is yes. I'd love to be like, no, of course not. And it's even more embarrassing than that. Uh, so Kristen will admit if we went live here, I told you guys this question was coming. And Kristen asked a follow-up and said, you mean like on a driver's test? Because I had given the whole driving before having a license thing. And then I clarified and said, I know, you know, any test. Well, Kristen, here's the truth. I, obviously, I have tested. And the example I was going to give is I cheated on the driving test. I cheated on the written driving test. I was, you know, that that thing where you've got to give, you know, it's a, the multiple choice and you've got to say whatever, you know, to a car's going uphill, a car's coming downhill, which has the right of way. When I first took that, I cheated on the person next to me, failed it because they had a different version of the test. And even though it was 100% my fault, I followed them out and wanted to scream at them for f***ing me over on my test. <laughs> so that's what kind of a piece of I am, and I have definitely cheated on a test before. Back to basketball, Christian. Since Clay's injuries, all Warrior fans are focusing on next year. Do you think James Wiseman can develop enough between now and next year's playoffs that he can contribute to a title run? Yes, I do. Why? I think there's a lot of development that happens, uh, especially in power forwards and centers in the league between the, their rookie year and their second season. Um, you know, just in terms of time management, of uh, working out, of knowing the offense, of being more familiar with your teammates and the front office and the staff, uh, there's just a little bit more comfort to that. And he's a worker. He's always been a worker. I have no doubt in the offseason he's going to do everything he can to get to the point where uh, he doesn't have to think in the offense. His timing, he's probably going to get some open runs probably down in L.A., with uh, Rico Hines and all the NBA guys that come out there. Um, and so his timing on defense will get better, and um, hopefully he develops his body a little bit more. I should admit you I missed some of that response because I was cheating on a test and just couldn't <laughs> listen. The, uh, the defensive thing actually brings me back. So another hyperbolic, angry reaction from Warriors Twitter is this guy was supposed to be a defensive ace, and it doesn't seem like anyone is afraid of him at the rim right now. And they're not totally off. You know, he hasn't been changing as many shots as we thought. I've heard you, but let me ask you straight up. Why, even though he hasn't been an intimidating force so far, should we be positive that he will be moving forward? Because the, the stronger he gets, when the game slows down for him, he already has the pure raw talent there. I mean, I've seen it for, since he was, you know, 15, 16. So the, the innate talent to know to go up and block a shot and be that powerhouse, no one's afraid of him right now. Like, again, he's a 19-year-old rookie. Nobody's afraid of him. Give him a couple years. Get, let him like go body to body with some of these other players, some of these guards, you know, that are going to try to like Anthony Edwards if he comes down and tries to put him on the poster, and you know, uh, James stuffs him at the rim. Like that's going to happen, and that's going to help with his confidence. And again, it comes down to confidence. It comes back, back to just like in your head, just getting <laughs> getting over that hump of okay, I'm a little behind right now. I'm a little behind right now. Um, so I think he's going to be fine. There's, there's nothing, his defensive game has never, ever been a concern for me watching him at the high school and, and AAU level. Um, never been a concern. Bring me back to the cheater question. Focus that, uh, that keen eye of yours on Mr. Taylor on Marcus. What do you think? Has he ever cheated and a test in his life? Oh, well, he just said that you guys went to school together and were in class together. So 100% 
both y'all were cheating. There's no wow. doubt in my mind. Is that because I'm so shady? I somehow <laughs> corrupted him and he was in class with me or yes. because, oh, wow. So it was, it was just another <laughs> F you aimed at me. Yeah, fantastic. Maxime, what do you think about Marcus? And I'll, um, I'll let you know that we did, in fact, go to school together. If that if that somehow influences your <laughs> your response, uh, I no, I'm actually gonna part ways with KP here. I I, I think Marcus is an upstanding human, um, and I whoa, think whoa, he's whoa, managed whoa. to last. Nice. What's going on here, man? <laughs> upstanding human. I mean, look, I should have been driving earlier, and that lady screwed me over with her stupid <laughs> answers, and I'm still an upstanding human. Um, Let's see. I think Marcus has. I'm not sure he's going to tell us that he has. I, 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 I'm sure his outward persona is that he would never do that, and he is a remarkably upfront, upstanding human, to use Maxine's stupid phrase. So <laughs> I think he has, but I don't think he'll tell us. Marcus, what's the answer? I will always be honest with everybody here and with the fans. Um, I have, but only on one subject i'm not very good at math at all so i used to program my ti82 ti82 <laughs> dating myself um uh calculator so i had the answers to the makeup tests for um one of my math classes so i would always get like a d on the test and be like oh man i need to make it up i didn't get a chance to study i was at practice couldn't do it. And then I'd go in and retake it and get an A every time and only miss one on purpose. So, well, I mean, yeah. what's weird is using Christian's grading scale, a D isn't that bad. I'm surprised <laughs> they actually let you retake it in any way. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and not describe all the various methods I had at cheating. I, I got that would be, I don't know, four or five hour podcast that we don't need to jump down that rabbit hole. I remember when you cheated in your math test and then the teacher caught you, the math teacher caught you, and you flipped it on her and made her feel so bad for accusing you that she let it go. <laughs> Again, I feel like I was very clear when I just said, we're not going to go through all the different ways that I cheated. That's when also, I knew I, you'd be a lawyer. Yeah. Also, I was very proud of that, and we need not go into further details. Kristen, now that you've watched James Wiseman in the pros, give us a player comparison for his ceiling and floor. So start with the floor. Worst case, what player does he become in five years? Worst case, uh, Marvin Bagley. Ooh. <laughs> Ouch. Okay. That's uh, worst case scenario. He is, my, he is my floor for every – because he was the number two pick. He was the number one player in high school, and he has not done great in the pros. And he's left-handed. So, That's so dis <laughs> discouraging. Oh my goodness. Somewhere Marvin Bagley hit like his spider sense went off. And he's like, what the hell? It's like, why, why, why are they taking shots at me? All right, let's I'm get an upstanding that. human. Yeah, it's not my fault I'm left-handed. I've never cheated so badly that I screwed over a math teacher's career. Uh, ceiling, what's the best case scenario? Who can this person become? Best case scenario, I mean, I guess I'd go with Carl Anthony Towns. I've covered, I covered Cat in high school, and they had similar high school games. Um, James was more of a true center, and Cat uh, was more of a mid-range game in terms of back-to-basket. But their skill set is very similar. Um, so, yeah, I think Cat would be good. I think he's going to be more of a Serge Ibaka guy that is just has a really long NBA career when he – <laughs> when he figures it out and can be a guy that's averaging, you know, 15 points and 10 rebounds each season. Now, let me give you some rapid hit follow-ups to that. All right. Um, and the first few will be over unders. So I put the number at 20 over under Wiseman's highest points per game in a season. You take the over the under on 20 average Uh huh. under rebounds, 12 in a season. Over. Uh, but the season. And then blocks, 1.5. Over. Uh, let's go back to the LaMelo comparison. And I'm going to give you quick hit questions against, between, or again, sorry, between LaMelo Ball and James Wiseman, who will have more all star appearances over their career? LaMelo. How about titles? Ooh. If, if LaMelo stays in Charlotte, James. <laughs> Boom. Why do you think he'll have more? Why, why does Ball have more all-star appearances? He's a guard. You know, he's a flashy player. He's going to get more votes. There's a lot of already established centers in the league. Um, I think even starting next year, LaMelo is going to be one of those names. Same with Trey Young. Like when Trey got hot and became an all-star, his 
second season, I think LaMelo is going to be on the same path. Who plays for more teams over their career? James. Hmm. Why? I, I just see LaMelo is more of a franchise player. I know uh, Michael Jordan has even come out and said that they're very happy with him. I just don't see him leaving or that uh, by choice uh, anytime soon. I think you just answered this, but let me make it an actual question. If a GM calls you up and they ask you in confidence if you thought James Wiseman could be the best player on a title team at some point in their career, what's your answer? No, I don't see it. And again, it's only just because that's not the way that the league is played. It's a very guard-centered, centric league. You know, you, so usually you're not the only the only best player that's a center. There's only few and far between. I mean, we look at what Jokic is doing in Denver. That's not normal. He's a hybrid. He's a hybrid center that's <laughs> that can pass, that can shoot, and that you know can also bang down low. And Anthony Davis is just you know, on a, on a scale of his own. So you clearly were not listening to Marcus's stats earlier because that is exactly right. Right. the You're direction right. that Wiseman's going. And I won't tell you that there's a single tear uh, strolling down my face Listen, right now. No, just, no, no. I'll take the L on that. You're right. Cause those are the two <laughs> players that you just mentioned. They're, they're rookie year and now look what they are. I'll take the L on that. Last question, and we go back to cheating. It's aimed at Maxime. What do you think? So he may have been trying to throw us off the set with the whole upstanding human being thing. And that, that's what I, my guess is. That's what he was doing. I, I think that Maxime has cheated on a test, and I do think he'll be honest about it. My question, or my answer is yes. I'm saying no. I want to say, like, Maxine's probably the most honest out of the three of you. Just Whoa, so again, why do we have to have these overarching statements? Don't you worry about that. I'm saying no. MT? I'm going to go no as well. He's upstanding human just like myself. <laughs> well, we know that's not true, TI-85 <laughs> cheater. We know for sure what your moves are. You're using like Terminator 2 to take down math. All right, Maxine, what is the response? TI-85, man. Bram, uh, you had the fancy calculator, didn't you? I don't remember what he said. I, I, you're lucky I came up with TI. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, so it's funny that, so yes, um, but I will say that yes. it is a complicated situation in that. It was a math test. You're a cheater. And, and the proctors fell asleep. <laughs> and you cheated. That's not complicated. So the entire class took it as a group test. Uh, and we're just passing around answers. So listen, I had to get in on it, right? Like I'm nothing if not a team player. Yeah. Also, there is no complication involved in that story at all. <laughs> the people who were watching stopped watching and you started passing along answers. That's called straightforward cheating. Also, welcome to the not upstanding member of society club, buddy. <laughs> I'd love to have you. And as a special bonus, I don't think we're alone, but let's find out. Boys, tell me what you think about Kristen. Has Kristen cheated on a test? I am saying hook, line, and sinker. Yes. Absolutely yes. Even if I didn't believe that, given the shit she's given me today, I have to say yes. So I'm going to go so far as to say she's cheated on a majority of tests. Take that, KP. <laughs> majority. All right, I take that back. That was, a little, that was a little hyperbolic on being like Warriors Twitter. That's not true. She is a very upstanding human, but I do think on at least one occasion she has uh, stepped out of bounds. Yeah, I'm going to say yes as well. I think she's uber competitive and um she's cheated not not a ton but you know she took advantage one time she still feels a little bad about it but she's she's okay with it she doesn't feel bad about it i say yeah no i think that's right but i mean it, it does not belie like we've learned here today that as upstanding humans all around occasionally there are slip-ups you know and there are reasons why you feel okay about things the proctor falls asleep you know like you maybe look the other way so i think it's totally justified and okay I like the idea of you going into a bank, the security guard is asleep or something. They're like, the money's ours. Like it's totally justified now. Everybody run in. Kristen, I want both answers. If, if have you cheated? And if so, did you feel bad about it? Okay. This is your, all right. Yes, I have. And I'll yes. tell you what happened. Okay. So I have a twin sister who is better at school than I am. And in high school, um, she would always take... It's like a parent trap scenario? What did you guys do? I'm very excited about this. <laughs> so, Better at school is obviously tipping your hand, too. <laughs> this is Better at school is like, okay. <laughs> so 
she would always take, especially math classes, a year ahead of me, keep all of her schoolwork, all of her tests, and teachers never change the curriculum ever. And so I would just steal her test and <laughs> copy and paste and memorize the answers. And I did that for about two years. I mean, nah. if Christian, if you memorized the answers and came in without anything, you weren't cheating. Here's a newsflash. You actually just knew the answers. If you brought in her answers, that is cheating. And I was what I thought you were working towards when you said that she was a twin. I thought you meant you had her show up occasionally in your <laughs> classes, taking the <laughs> taking tests for us. Like that is incredible. You would have been my personal hero if no, that was we, the ultimate so story. We, we did do that just one time. No. It, was, it, it was April Fool's Day and. And I want to say it was in sixth grade and she took, she took my math and science quizzes for me that day and no one knew. And Wait, I remember you... telling her, I'm like, don't forget to write Kristen at the top of the page, not Lisa. Wait, so if she brought in the answers and that's not cheating, then I didn't cheat because I brought no, no, in the no, answers. No, no, that's, that's what I'm clarifying. What, what Kristen said was, at first she said I brought in the answers, then she said I memorized them. You There's a big not... distinction between those two. No, you have to understand. I didn't do a single piece of homework at all. I copied everything of hers, none of my own work, for two years. Here we go. Just sounds like you're better at school than your sister. At that <laughs> yeah, point. no, that, that's what it's hot. What I want to know is if that first conversation where you're telling Lisa to make sure that she signs Christian, did it start with, Lisa, you're better at school. How about you take this April Fool's Day to, uh, quiz? Also, who's giving quizzes on April Fool's Day? That's just scandalous on every level. Yeah, I don't know. I think it was like she, I think the deal we made because she knew she was better at uh, math and science and like I'm a better athlete so it was like one of those things where they were running the mile in gym and she didn't want to do it and it just so, so it was like okay I'll run the mile for you you go take my quizzes <laughs> this was a parent trap scenario you guys literally just changed uh, changed places that is awesome um, Christian we love having you I know you have jazz responsibilities tonight so we got to get you out of here for people who need more peak in their life where should they turn you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram at Kristen Peak, or you can read all my stuff, uh, my mock drafts, college uh, NCAA tournament stuff on Yahoo Sports. Uh, for us, you know where to reach us. If you have some questions for Warriors Oracle, send them to warriorshuddle at gmail.com. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at Hate Illinois Forever. <laughs> now, we're at Warriors Huddle. With that in mind, go Warriors. Hopefully, we'll see you next week. Good, good.